Hey friends, welcome to Our Power is Within. I'm your host, Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you've been looking for all along. If you are enjoying the content from this podcast and the guests that I've had on the show, there's a few ways that you can help support future episodes. Uh, First, you could click subscribe and then you have every new episode waiting for you in your podcast library and you won't miss a good one. Secondly, you could leave a five-star rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts if you feel like I have earned it. Or you could share your favorite episode with a friend on your social media and tag me at Our Power Is Within. And lastly, at the bottom of the show notes, you will find a link directly to a tip jar where you can support future episodes if you do feel called to do so. Okay, so the past couple weeks, we have been immersed in self-reflection challenges. There was a challenge where we were asking ourselves. Uh, what we need. Um, We checked in and asked ourselves where we were still giving our power away. We checked in and asked ourselves what ways we could love ourselves more or what way we could love ourselves that we feel like we've been needing lately. And this week, I want to take all of that and put it together and make a declaration. The declaration is called, I'm the kind of person who fill in the blanks. I'm the kind of person who, whatever you feel called to declare for yourself. So here's some examples. Maybe you're the kind of person that goes into nature every day, or you're the kind of person who gets sunshine every day, or you're the kind of person who exercises every day, or you're the kind of person who can eat anything he or she wants, or maybe you're the kind of person who loves dancing and being silly. Whatever it is, declare it. And then decide what action steps that you need to take on the daily to be that person. So for example, if you're the kind of person who dances every day, but one day you get out of bed and you're just feeling too ill to really get up and do much with your day, is it possible that you could still turn on some music and sway side to side or move your arms or your legs and dance while laying down and feeling the music in your body. The opportunities here are truly endless. So what I encourage you to do is stand in your power and in your truth and declare the kind of person that you are today. And then let that person shine, 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 shine. (laughs) Okay. Right now, seriously, you guys, as we speak, My dog thinks that I'm food and she thinks I'm her toy bone and she's trying to eat me alive. Literally, she's gnawing on my arm like it's a toy bone. Thought I would just share that with you. (laughs) Oh, she is a ham. She's a funny girl. A funny, funny girl. Okay, so our guest today is Liz Weigartz. Liz is here to share her inspiring healing testimonial. And if you're actually in the DNRS community, you might be familiar with this name. And if you are not, then you are going to become familiar in just a short while. Um, Liz has such a lovely story and she's just honestly an absolute lovely lady. I really encourage you to check out her blog. There's so many adorable, good, inspiring blog posts on there. And honestly, Everything on her website and everything about Liz screams kindness and happiness and well-being. Um, yeah, so I'm personally a huge fan of her uh, business name, her mindset coaching business name, which is Happy Brain Life. I think it's really fun and whimsical and uh, isn't fun and whimsy just what the doctor orders, right? So anyhow, if you guys enjoy today and you enjoy Liz's story and you want to connect with her, you can find all the links that you need in the show notes and I encourage you to do so. All right, here we go. Let's introduce Liz to the show. Hey Liz, thanks so much for being here with me and everyone listening today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's really an honor to be here with you. I have to say, I admire so much what you've created with this podcast. Oh, thank you. It's very fun. (laughs) Passion hobbies. (laughs) Great. Um, It's a real gift to the community. 
Oh, thanks. I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, so, Liz, I was wondering today if we could kind of start out uh, simply just by having you take the floor and share a little bit about who you are and what your story is. And, you know, I know that you have your own recovery story and maybe you could kind of give us, you know, the the brief version of it and tell us a little bit about um, what approaches you took for healing and where you found the most success and what really supported you along the way. That sounds great. Um, and I knew that you would ask me this question. And I thought about how much detail to share. Um, my recovery st- story starts in 2016. And at that time, I was 56 and really had been dealing with um, chronic mental and physical conditions for most of my life. So my story is like about half a century long. And that's a lot to try to compress. But I know when I listen to other people's recovery stories, especially when I was just in the early stages of trying to believe it might be possible for me to recover, it really helped me to hear a bit more of people's stories and not just their diagnoses. Mm -hmm. So if you do, if it's okay, I think I'll go ahead and tell a bit more of my story and you can kind of direct me from there. No, I love that. And I want to actually interject and ask you one side note question because you just mentioned like a half century. So you had been encountering some of these symptoms nearly 50 years, right? Some right. of, yeah. yeah. So what, what is your take on the, on the, on the saying slash belief that if you had it for a long time, it's going to take a long time to heal? How do you feel about that statement? Um, I, let me think. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of, would question whether there are any absolutes like that, like that that would necessarily mean that that would have to be the case. It did take quite a while for me to recover. Um, And I, part of that, I think I had a belief that I really would not be able to recover because I had had symptoms for so long. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I was wondering because it's one of those things. It's kind of like what you just said. You, you, you thought you took a long time because you had this belief that maybe you couldn't. And I do wonder. It's fair to be realistic and not have like a outrageous expectation that then if we don't meet it, we lose hope or quit uh, early. Mm-hmm. However, I also can find that it can also be limiting sometimes, right? Because yes, because um, like you said, I, I don't. It's like you can't really decide that that's going to be truth for everyone. We can, you know, we just can't make that decision because somebody by one standard could have like a really rapid recovery in some regard, you know, and some could take a little longer. And I think it's very individualized, but I, I guess I always try to, um, choose beliefs that are empowering and not limiting. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great approach. And just to say everyone is unique and, and an individual and everyone's healing journey is unique and individual. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyhow, yeah, you can continue your story. For, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, my story really starts with um, childhood. I would say I grew up in a family where there was a lot that was great, um, but there also was a lot of mental illness and abuse and substance abuse. And I now with knowing so much more about our brains, I think about myself as a young child and my highly sensitive brain kind of trying to figure out how to navigate the world um, with these people that I love so much who were really struggling and weren't very kind um, to each other, often really the opposite of kind. And so I, I have a lot of compassion. Um, and I, by the time I was in high school, I was struggling with depression, anxiety. Uh, I was sick a lot. 
and but I was very focused on getting out of my family, um, and and so I worked hard and got a scholarship and went off to college, which I thought at first was great. I thought, oh, this is freedom. But what I didn't know then was that I my external circumstances had changed, but my brain was still the same brain, and I still had a lot of the same um, sort of genetic challenges and also a lot of unhelpful neural pathways. So um, by my second year of college, I had my first big crash um, where... I was very, very depressed and um, filled with anxiety and also starting to deal with some really mystery um, physical symptoms like hives the size of golf balls and a lot of GI problems. And I just was all very strange and mysterious. And so I ended up leaving college and... um, started psychotherapy and really that was really I would say where my healing quest began and I was able to you know kind of get into a better place and I met the man who would become my husband who was a really great stabilizing healing influence on my life and with you know I started doing lots of psychotherapy and body work and just really trying to figure out like how to be healthier, how to create a different kind of life for myself. And I did pretty well. I mean, I I would say in my 20s, my biggest challenge physically and and emotionally too was just that um, I had a lot of uh, PMS and And so I started, I was just reading everything I could find and I started tracking, tracking and trying to see like what, what helped me to feel better foods and exercise and stress reduction and meditation and just really, um, just really on that quest. And I was able to, you know, finish college and get a graduate degree and uh, got married and had a baby and things were things were going okay. I mean, I still had a lot of ups and downs and both physically and emotionally, but I was doing okay. And then when I was 33, I had my next big crash. And then, um, you know, in DNRS, the program that I did, the Dynamic Neural Retraining System, the, the brain retraining program I did to recover, they talk about the perfect storm. And so I can look back and say, okay, the, the perfect storm in that time for me was that my youngest brother died um, tragically in a drowning accident. And my daughter was about two and a half years old. And she, I, I was working in a job where I had to travel a lot and it was pretty high stress and it was great until I had her. And then I just didn't want to do those things anymore, but I didn't really know how to get myself out. So I was under a lot of stress and I was, there are things I wasn't happy with in my marriage, but I just had no skills to, even though I have done so much um, therapy, I still really didn't know how to feel my emotions or express my emotions um, or ask for what I needed or all those things. And so um, at that, so when I was at that time, then I just had my, another big crash physically and and emotionally. And um, I ended up going to that was so that would have been like 93 and they're just this idea of integrative medicine or alternative medicine was just starting um and i went to one of the first integrative practices in san francisco and i got this diagnosis of adrenal fatigue and that kind of opened me up to a whole new area for learning and and I kind of pulled myself out of that and got to be more in a better place again, but still just not super resilient. You know, I was doing okay, but I was doing a lot of tracking, like what, again, like 
um, I love data. So I would have spreadsheets and tracking like what could help me feel better and what was making me feel worse. And I was, it was going along. Okay. And then um, when I got to be 46, I uh, was just experiencing just really tremendous fatigue um, just at a whole other level than I ever had before. And my husband kept saying like, why don't you got to go see the doctor? And I'm like, no, no, I just need different supplements or I need to rest more. I need to. And finally he convinced me and I went to the doctor and she said, well, do you know you have a huge heart murmur? Um, which I had never heard. And I realized I don't think that my uh, anybody was listening to my heart very, uh, very often. So, um, so it turned out that I had a congenital defect in my heart and I ended up having open heart surgery in 2006, which was very helpful. Uh, my heart had been um, kind of in the early stages of heart failure and it was all kind of intense and dramatic and the surgery saved my life and it was was really helpful. But afterwards, I noticed that um, I'd always been kind of sensitive to smells and that started to get much worse. And I, there were other things, just weird things. I think that, you know, from DNRS, we talk about the limbic system. And I think my limbic system just went to a whole nother level of kind of hypervigilance with that surgery experience. Um, and then about a year or two later, I started to kind of have these autoimmune type symptoms with a lot of inflammation in my chest with like pericarditis, the lining of my heart and pleuritis, the lining of my lungs and, and esophagitis and just all these just was very focused in my chest, all this inflammation in my doctor said, you know, we can see that, you know, your blood tests are showing high levels of inflammation. We don't know what's causing it, but it's probably, it's some kind of autoimmune process and we just have to wait and see. And here's some pain meds. So I, again, I was, this, this took me to a whole new level of my quest and I was seeing lots of naturopaths and trying all different supplements and just tracking everything. Like I would say like, okay, I can ride my bike around the block once and I'll be okay. But if I ride my block around the, ride my bike around the block twice, I'll get this huge inflammation flare that'll, you know, wipe me out for a week. So just my life just started getting more and more limited. And, but I still was managing, you know, still working, still just coping um, and then, then when I, in, uh, when I was 53, 2013, my mom got really sick and we, it would, turned out it was, you know, the beginning of the end of her life, which we didn't really know at the time, but it was, um, she was really sick. And one of my patterns that I learned in very early in childhood was just that I was responsible for caring for her. And I just jumped back into that really for my whole family. So I just went back into that just full force. And I um, ended up just, just really over the course of three years, 2013, 14, 15, I was just um, really, uh, doing way, way too much. And without just, let's see, how could I describe this? I thought that I was taking care of myself. I thought, you know, people are saying, oh, you have to take care of yourself. This is, you know, this is a really intense time. You have to take care of yourself. And so I thought, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to therapy. I'm meditating. I'm, you know, stretching. I'm walking. I'm doing every. I'm eating right. I'm doing everything that I could do. But I didn't know about the importance of the brain. So I ended up by the end of 2015, I was just completely wiped out. I just had a spectacular crash 
where pretty much my brain just kind of went offline and I had to stop working. I really, I couldn't, uh, I was just severely depressed, anxious. I got, went to see, you know, my Western doctors gave me the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome and cognitive impairment and depression, anxiety, um, insomnia. And, uh, but the, and then the one that, um, that I had to, I was like, what is going on with my sense of smell? I can't everything. I'm just so that sensitivity that I'd had my whole life. And then it gotten worse after my surgery, it just got so acute. Like, um, I couldn't, I, the tiniest bit of scent, even natural scent would just throw me over the edge. So my life had just gotten extremely limited. Um, I couldn't even go in the backyard if the neighbor had done laundry, the, this sense would come over the fence and it would, you know, my, my symptoms would, um, just go crazy. And so I was searching online, like, what is this crazy thing with the sense? And I discovered, you know, it has a name, multiple chemical sensitivities. And that brought me to DNRS. And so that's where my recovery story started was in, um, in Ju- July of 2016. All right. Wow. That was a good synopsis. Well done. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's it's nice. It's not nice, but it's interesting how you kind of pointed out that you had the, these multiple layers of crashes. Like there wasn't just one perfect storm. It was like, here's one. Okay, I'm going to get better enough, but I'm not really great. I'm just getting by. But then here's another one. You know, it's just that building effect over time. Like looks like it was around one each decade in a sense. Yes. Yeah. What... um. What happens after that? Was DNRS the pr- primary way that you found uh, healing or was it the kind of the first um, first modality or tool that really expanded your mind and then you started integrating other things? Like what was really the ticket for you? DNRS, yeah. Uh, that was really um, was really it for me. Uh, it took a long time. Um, but I, um, I just really went all in with that. How long did you spend doing it? Um, well, when I, it took a long time for me to actually even be able to do the program fully. I started, I found out about it in 2000, like July of 2016, and I got the DVDs and joined the forum and and then there was a a whatsapp group that was like the first whatsapp group i mean it's amazing i know there's so many groups now it's really wonderful but um at first i really couldn't do the full program but just being in the community and seeing people who were making progress and were recovering that was starting to give me hope mm-hmm. so i would say it was in 2017 like march i started to be able to do the rounds and uh part- engage more with the pro- more fully with the program and it was really the end of 2017 when I start finally started to see some shifts and then it was another six months I would say before I was to the point where I would say it was fully recovered just in the sense that all the diagnoses that I had um, I didn't have anymore so that was a couple of years yeah. Yeah. But not that long though for actively doing it like all in. That's really, that's really good. When you, you said after about six more months, you were um, at a point in your recovery where you were um, not, you had none of the diagnoses remaining. At that point, did you already find that you had, because I know you said somewhere that you didn't just feel resilient, even though you were kind of getting by, you didn't feel your resilience. 
did you at this point in DNRS at the um, six months into 2018, did you find that you felt resilient or did you still feel like you had work to do to build that resilience? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think that I was, I still had work to do. And actually, I would say I'm still doing that work. Um, where are we now? It's like three years later, I'm still working on building that resilience and building those neural pathways and, you know, expanding my limbic systems comfort zone in the world. And yeah, so it's an, I would say it's an ongoing lifelong process for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what are some of the ways that you support your nervous system and support this build of resilience? Hmm. Good question. You know, I, I do a lot in my everyday life. I do, I have a, I do a DNRS round every day. I love the, I still love the DNRS round. So I do one of those every day. I have a few DNRS, um, a few friends from DNRS that I uh, did buddy practices with really regularly during my recovery. And I still um, do those like every couple of weeks or a month, you know, once a month or something. So that's ongoing. I also um, work with Joe Dispenza's meditations now. I find those helpful. Um, I do a lot of self-coaching, coaching my brain. Um, I just really try to focus on doing what lights me up. Um, I, I focus on elevating my things that elevate my mood and make me happy. But I also have learned about the importance of being able to process emotion and not repress it. So lots of things. Mm -hmm. At any point, all of your healing, I know you went to like psychotherapy and all that, but post DNRS or during DNRS or anytime after learning about DNRS and really diving into this brain work at any point, did you, um, did you do any kind of emotional release work as well? Mm, and would that be like the Sarno's work? Are you thinking? Or? It could be because I think there's like a lot. Yeah, the, I mean that's just one way of of yeah expressing emotion and letting it move is through the uh, writing. But I think there's different options, you know, or maybe even somatics where you're kind of learning how to move the energy in the bot in the actual body. Yeah. You know, that, that isn't something that I've explored directly. I have friends um, through DNRS. I have friends who have gone on to explore different things and they've told me about things. And so I have done more of the, the writing, the journaling. I find that helpful um, through coaching, um, doing mindset coaching training um, that I learn more about processing emotion through the body but still it's still very uh, kind of mentally focused it's not I haven't really done that anything that's body so I'm gonna have to look into that somatics yeah thank you I'll check that out yeah and where do you feel like you're at today like do you feel like it's just a totally different life now than when you were when you um had that first encounter in your second year of college a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I feel so grateful, Chaz. I mean, I cannot even believe here I am, you know, in my sixties and I have this whole new life. It is just such an incredible gift. I just, yeah, it's like a miracle. Every day feels like a miracle to me. What were some of the big changes that came out of this? Because a lot of times I hear about, you know, people that do this work, they're walking the path. And a lot of us learn like that there were some things that needed to be realigned on our path, you know, and sometimes we discover we have to like make some hard decisions and all in 
all in for, in for the good of ourselves, you know, but do you know of any kind of big changes that you've encountered? Like, did you go back to the old job or did you get to a point where you had a reframe and knew you had to shift into something new? Did you stay with the husband or did you decide that that wasn't going to, you know, like, did you learn how to just create boundaries and ask for what you needed or did you part ways, things like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the husband definitely stayed with like that is such an amazing gift. I mean, we've been together, gosh, it's almost 42 years now. Wow. And I just feel so grateful because he, he's just been this steady, constant, stable, loving force in my life as I've just been going through all this journey of healing and learning and growing and I am just so so grateful and now we we get to have this whole new life together I mean we really we had had these dreams of traveling and you know in retirement and he's a little bit older and kind of getting towards semi-retirement I guess I would say but um and then when I was sick it seemed like we're we're not going to be able to do any of that and it was you know we really that was really hard I felt really bad, but now it's like we have this whole new life together. It's very exciting, very fun. Um, I, in terms of things that I, I I did have to leave, like, you know, um, when I crashed at 19, I needed to leave that college and kind of figure out a different path there. When I crashed at 33, I needed to leave that job and figure out something different. Um, and then the same when I had the crash when um I was the one that brought me to DNRS. It's like, I really thought I wasn't going to be able to work again. And then when I realized I could go back to work, which is very exciting, I thought, but I don't want to go back to accounting. I loved accounting. It was great. I know most people don't like accounting, but I love playing with numbers. And it was really, it was a perfect job for me. Um, during that period of my life, but I didn't want to go back to that. And I thought now I have this opportunity. So that's brought me into coaching and creating a coaching business, which has been super exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. But I would say, you know, the boundaries, like definitely with family members, you know, I've had to really just learn to, I mean, just really rewiring all those old patterns of, feeling responsible for everyone and it's my job to take care of everyone's emotions and you know I really had to change all those kinds of patterns right what do um your like immediate family members say about you and your shifts that they've seen since um you started DNRS you know like your children and or your husband Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) They're so happy. I mean, my husband and my daughter, my daughter is 30 now. And they, okay, I'll just tell you one story about my daughter. Like we, when 2018, when I was doing much better, I mean, she was so wonderful. During the time that I was sick, she was coming home every month and just, she was so supportive of my husband too. I just am so grateful to them. They just were, were just, yeah, amazing. But I was recovering and we went to, they, they had this thing of going to spring training, the baseball spring training together in Phoenix. And they invited me to come in 2018. And well, they'd always invited me, but I never wanted to go, but I was like so excited to be able to travel. And so we went and we went to the baseball stadium and we're walking in and I could, my daughter, Rachel, she's saying to me like, okay, mom, I know it's going to be really crowded, but we'll get, you know, we'll get through to our seats. And then, you know, um, she just was like all doing all these things of trying to take care of me. And I thought, oh my gosh, her whole life, she has been like watching, watching out for me. Like, don't, you know, don't let mom get too tired. Don't let, you know, watch mom has to watch what she eats. She has to do like, we, it wasn't just me that was, you know, really paying attention to all that. Like she had grown up with that and I felt sad. I felt sad. I really, but I also felt 
really excited and happy that she gets to have a new mom too. And we get to have this whole new phase of our relationship together. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I don't want to, like, I know that she, um, I hope, yeah, yeah, I think she, what she knows, what, I think what the example is that I have given is that we can change and we can get help. And I think that she's doing that for herself and figuring out for herself. So I'm really proud of her for that. That's so awesome. Um, yeah. 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 I love that. That opportunity that we have when we heal ourselves, the ripple effects mm -hmm. that it can make a difference for all those that we love too, and potentially generations to come. So, yeah, totally. Exactly. And sometimes we don't even have to do anything or like we don't have to even, it's not even about what we say. It's just about the fact that somebody gets to be a witness to our transformation Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I definitely see that, um, with other, other family members too. Yeah. Who, yeah. So when you encounter nowadays, like a, a tough or like I say a stressful period, what, like what's different in how you approach things now with the tools you have now, as opposed to how you might have pre 2016? Yeah, good question. Um, well, you know, my pattern was always just to try to push through. Mm -hmm. And now I just tried to be a lot more aware. I try to be more kind to myself um, to say, uh, to recognize if it's a challenging time, if there are things going on um, and watch the patterns in my brain, watch those old patterns come up and do everything that I need to do to work with those patterns, but just from a very gentle, loving, compassionate place um, and get support, you know? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, but yeah, just mostly um, not going to that old pattern of just like, I just have to push through. I just have to get through this. Mm hmm that's so awesome. Do you, speaking of self-kindness, because I know that when you go onto your um, your blog and your website, that kindness and discovering ways to be kinder to ourselves is something that it seems like you're rather passionate about as I read through um, everything on there. Do you have ways that you would suggest to anyone listening, like ways that they that we can begin to be kinder to ourselves? Oh, uh, yeah, I, you're, you're really right. You really picked up on that, <laughs> that it, I'm very passionate about being kind to ourselves. And I think that has really come from, as I've started to do mindset coaching with women who are, it seems the women who are come to me are incredibly kind, compassionate, generous, loving women who are kind to everyone in the world, but have a really hard time being kind to themselves. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think there's a lot of mm, cultural conditioning or, you know, uh, kind of get into that. But if we just say like, okay, so this, why, for whatever reason this is, but to help women, what I've learned, okay, so, if you can be kind to, if you're kind to everyone else, you have those neural pathways in your brain of kindness. Yeah. And if we can just learn to shift those towards ourselves, um, I think it, it just be, can be transformative because 
So one of the things that I do a lot with um, clients is they'll tell me a story and they'll just be, they're so hard on themselves. Like this is going on. And like, I, you know, I just, why, you know, they're just so hard on themselves. And I would say like, well, what if you had a friend who was going through that? You know, what would you say to them? Would you say, you know, you shouldn't be feeling this? You shouldn't, you know, that you shouldn't be doing this. They're like, oh no, no. <laughs> so that is one one technique that I find is really helpful is just to always think like, well, what would I say if I'm in this situation and I notice that I'm being first of all, it's being aware. I mean, because those patterns can be so ingrained we don't even notice that we're being hard on ourselves right but then then to ask yourself like okay so if if this was you know my my like you're my daughter or my friend or my sister or you know someone that we care about and that it seems like that question can really help to shift our brain into that other set of pathways so that's one technique. Another technique that I ask, I, I mean, I feel like we mm, want to be kind and compassionate to that part of our brain that is just trying to protect us, that is running those old unhelpful patterns, just trying to keep keep us alive because it's worked this far. So, you know, keep, keep going and to just be, you know, very gentle and loving and compassionate and curious with that part of our brain, just to say like, well, what, why, what are you so afraid of? What is the worst thing that could happen? And then just play that out. Well, and then what, what would be the worst thing? And then what, and, you know, finding what, what is that fear? What is that brain think that could happen that would be so terrible and many times it's just a feeling it's just a feeling that you know like well this would happen and then that would happen and that one and then I would just feel really scared or I would feel sad or I would feel um lonely or and then you know to understand that you know our brain is trying to protect us from that feeling and we can just say, oh, I can handle that. We can handle that, you know. And I think that's where that emotional processing can really help is if you can show that part of your brain, like we can go into that that sadness or that fear or that anger and we can handle it. We can process it. We can handle it. We can move it through our body. We can treat it as information. We don't. And then I think that that part of the brain can really start to calm down too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I really agree. I used to, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to do um, incremental training around emotions. Mm. So I would do journaling, expressive writing, you know, around like a, a particular like intense emotion. And then I would follow it with a round to help reframe my brain and show my brain that I could, you know, to create this safe space and say, look, we can be there. Just like you said, we can handle this. Like we're this is okay. We got this. We can be with these feelings and to kind of help it to learn that they didn't have to be big or scary anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What a great idea. I really liked it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to think about that one. I would think about how I could do that too. How do you, do you have any additional ways that you feel that we can learn how to, I guess, begin to feel this level of self-love for ourselves, but like a genuine self-love and in our subconscious, because it can be really easy to consciously say, I love myself, you know, kind of like it can be easy to consciously say, no, I'm safe. It's okay. But our subconscious, like the deeper layers have to be on board with that. Do you have um, any practices or any suggestions on on that concept of getting that love, that layer and level of self-love into the subconscious? Mm. Boy, that is a really good question. I think that, you know, that's part of why I focus a lot on self-kindness because I think that can be kind of an easier thing to imagine like starting to be kind to ourselves like maybe that's 
self-love it can be kind of harder but thinking like well how can I just be more kind to myself today and starting to build that trust with yourself and and treating everything that comes up as an opportunity to be curious and and kind and learning and you know opportunities to explore I also I do I get coaching um I get mindset coaching every week to someone to help me look at the patterns in my brain to help me see because it can be really hard I think to see those in ourselves um you know we're running those old unconscious patterns but when we're talking to somebody else uh, they can point things out to us or help us to ask questions that help us uncover or notice or, you know, get curious. Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you point that out because you um, have already talked about how you are a coach, but you're now like expressing that you still get coaching. And I think that's so important because, yes, even people who coach might and often probably could continuously benefit from getting coaching because the, the, the path of growth like never really ends. And like you said, we have blind spots. We, we have blinders on sometimes and somebody else can really support us to see things. So I think that's so great that you continue to do that for yourself. What a gift that you're giving yourself. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine now without it because I mean, our brains just, it's like trying to be in, what would it be? Like it's being in, there must be some great analogy of, we're in the water and we're trying to see the land or something, but we, 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 you know, we, I mean, it's just being in the, in the environment, you know, our brains, it's very hard for our brains to, to become aware of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are ways, you know, with writing, I think, you know, getting it all out on the page and then trying to come back to it and using different parts of our brains to kind of, try to figure out what the other parts are doing or, you know, I mean, I think it's possible to do it on our own, but it's a lot harder. I think and it's with some, where somebody else, you know, can just, cause they have a different brain and they're not yeah. in, they're not in, they have different patterns and, and so yeah, it's much easier to. I agree. How did you decide, like, what were your parameters when you were looking for a coach for you for this mindset coaching weekly? Like, what were, what was important for you in, in a coach you chose? Mm. Um, someone who was very kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can tell that's a, it's a high value for me. Um, someone who would, um, you know, didn't have a set agenda for what, mm, you know, what I, what success would look like or what, you know, someone who's just very open and just wanted, you know, to support me and kind of growing and, and discovering for myself, you know, my goals and how to move towards them in a gentle, loving way. And, um, yeah, someone who, but I would say kindness, curious, open, and someone who's doing their own work, you know. Right, yeah. And did you have, did, did it matter to you whether or not they had any kind of area of expertise? Uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I think... I think no, actually. I mean, I I do work with uh, certified, you know, someone who is certified. But in coaching, you know, it's there. It's that's can mean anything. Yeah. Um, you know, you could say I'm certified. <laughs> it's like very wide open right now. But you know, I did go through. You know, where I work with someone who go, has gone through training, and but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. What were the biggest gifts that you got through this whole more or less lifelong experience through all the hardship that you went through and overcame? Mm. Wow. Well, gosh, um, 
I just, I, you know, I'm mean, I kind of tear up actually. Like I just feel so grateful for every day now. Just every day is a miracle. I feel like I've had these experiences um, where I really, you know, kind of hit hit bottom, and to be in this place now where I just get to create a whole new life for myself and with my husband, with my daughter. So it's, you know, this gift of having this whole new life for myself, but then also with my relationships and then getting to create a new career. I mean, there's so many gifts. There's so much we gain um, by going through those. You know, I I mean, I love the people, my favorite people, (laughs) Like a lot of, well, I would say I have other favorite people too, but but a lot of my favorite people are the people that I've met through the brain rewiring community. I mean, people just have so much depth having gone through these experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Um, yeah, so that, that, I'd say that's a huge gift actually is the amazing, wonderful people that I've met and then getting... Um, uh, plugged into the this community, I feel, Chaz, I feel like we're on the forefront of this huge wave of consciousness or, I mean, just this, what, you know, the neuroscientists are learning so much about the brain and then there's people who are figuring out all the different modalities, you know, and so most of them because of having gone through their own healing journeys and finding something that works and, um, and there's just more and more. I mean, it's so exciting. That's why I think your podcast is so wonderful because you're like right there on the forefront of, of interviewing people who are, are doing these amazing uh, discovering all these amazing, wonderful ways that we can work with these brains, you know, this is really for the first time in history to have this awareness. So I'd say that is a huge, huge gift. I love that. Where is the first place that you and your husband are going to travel for retirement? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, we're figuring it out. I mean, so part of the reason I wanted to do coaching was to give me flexibility. And he's, we're figuring out like semi-retirement for him is kind of working out to be like, we can do um, a short trip like once a month and then a longer trip. So, and we're just starting to travel again now, um, kind of with COVID and all that, we you know, had a pause in our, our travel plans, but we went to Hawaii last month with our daughter and her boyfriend, which was just amazing. Oh my gosh. It was so amazing to be able to swim and snorkel and walk and eat anything. And I mean, just all those things that I, I thought, I mean, and I'd look back to five years ago, I was just sitting in a chair, staring out the window. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't write an email. I couldn't read a book. I couldn't, um, I couldn't have people over because of the whole chemical sensitivity thing. I, you know, to have to go from that extremely limited to just this amazing, wonderful adventure filled trip that we had last month. It was just, I was just so, so I was, I was blissful Chaz. I was like, (laughs) So, yeah. Well, Hawaii is a pretty good place to to experience that. Yeah. I love Hawaii so yeah. much. Mm, I love it. Um, so tell us about Happy Brain Life. Mm. Yeah, Happy Brain Life. It's kind of... So when I... So 2018, I was thinking, you know, I could go back to work. Um, My first big project was doing a celebration of life uh, event for my mom because she had died in the time when I was sick. And just with all the family dynamics and everything, I just, we just didn't have anything for her. And so I took on that project. It was part of my retraining and we, we planned and had this uh, wonderful event for her. So that was my big project. 
in um, leading up to August of 2018. And then I thought, well, okay, now what am I going to do? I want to do, I know I want to do something. And at that point I was thinking, I don't, I'm not, I don't know about coaching because I know we want to travel, but I want to do something online. So I just started taking some classes and I, and I knew I wanted to create a website and I thought, well, what, you know, I need a name. I can and I came up with this name, Happy Brain Life. And I thought, well, I'm just going to use that till I think of whatever, you know, something better. But I kind of, I like it now. <laughs> so so I created the website and I started doing weekly blogging. And then I um, created, I took a class on how to do, grow, uh, create a Facebook audience. So I, you know, I do have that on Facebook and then I, on Instagram and and so really, it was very much um, rewiring my brain, all taking classes and learning and trying and all my old patterns of perfectionism and, uh, you know, being, a, you know, it's really hard to be a beginner and not know how to do things and put myself out there. So just gradually, I was doing that, but still not really sure what, what the business part was going to be. And then when the pandemic hit and we were, I had started to um, follow, um, uh, started to engage more with the mindset coaching community, the life coaching community. I was following the, the life coach school and I thought, okay, um, you know, we're going to be, I'm just going to be at home. So I'm going to do this coaching certification. And I did that. It was six months. It was perfect pandemic activity because it was all online and I met all kinds of wonderful people through that and then um yeah so now I have my coaching practice and I still still call it happy brain life I mean what do you think about that name I love it (laughs) do you oh yeah I think it's fantastic (laughs) I think it works yeah and I love it that you especially if you're saying that you had old perfectionism tendencies, you know, the only way out is through. So it's like the only way to become not so attached to perfectionism is to be willing to like take action. That's not perfect over and over and over again. And I love how you were willing to kind of just start something and put it out there, not having any clue if you would change it, not really knowing, you know, how to navigate it all, but just like figuring I'm just going to put it out there and learn as I go. Yes. Yeah, that's a huge step. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, and it was great to have that framework of using it as continuing incremental training and rewiring my brain and and really, I mean, those were old, old patterns of perfectionism. And yeah, so it's been that's a awesome. really wonderful journey. Yeah, I like the name Happy Brain Life. I think it's a keeper. It's a win. What uh, type of coaching do you offer? I do mindset coaching. I don't do health coaching. I decided didn't want to go that direction. I think there's so many amazing people um, doing coaching, and it, I was drawn more towards um, just the mindset coaching. I work with women who are just very kind, loving, I say heart-centered. That's the the phrase that I use. I think most of them are probably highly sensitive, but a lot of people don't resonate with that term. So I tend to, you know, use the heart-centered. Sometimes I talk about being highly highly sensitive. And actually that's the blog post um, that still gets the most hits. Uh, I wrote it a couple years ago and um, that, still gets the most hits on my website is so I think there's interest in that but um yeah so we do coaching uh, I have worked with some of the women in the um the who are recovering in the recovery recovering stage of chronic illness and kind of in that integrating back into life and trying to navigate that um but most, I also work with a lot of women who chronic illness wasn't really ever an issue for them, but they just are feeling stuck somewhere in their life. All right, Liz, I have one more big, big one for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only share one message with the world, what would you share? Oh, well, I guess you could probably guess that it would just be kind. 
to 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 everyone else, but you know, um, especially to yourself, um, that you're already perfect. You're already a hundred percent worthy. Um, and you know, also, Chaz, I want, I want to say um, this question: the healing, healing doesn't. I think we, we need to think about like what, what is really healing. I mean, I was really fortunate that um, all my physical diagnoses and conditions cleared up, but I know amazing, wonderful people who've really worked hard on their healing using the same tools that I did or many other tools and their bodies are not shifting in the same way. And there can be kind of a sense of they're not doing it right or, you know, that it's, you know, so I, I really want to um, put out there that um, for people to think about what does healing really mean? And I think for healing, for me, it means um, just becoming more and more aligned with our true selves, with our authentic, authentic selves, um, with our souls, I guess. Um, and that, that can happen regardless of what's happening in your body. What would you say? I just want to throw this one out there too. I know I said there was one last big one, but <laughs> what would you say to anybody who is out there? Uh, maybe they're listening. Maybe they're not even listening because they've already resigned to the idea that they're too old to change now Mm. you know the person who's just like thrown in the tall they're like I'm 60 I've been this way my whole life it's just who I am or I'm too sick I'm too old it's Mm -hmm. too late why do anything now you know what Mm. would you say to anyone that might be feeling that way yeah like I would say I I hear you I understand that I mean those were those were my beliefs I thought you know it's there's too much, you know, genetic predisposition and then a lifetime of these patterns. And, you know, and then, you know, even I had the, the whole heart thing that I thought like, this is not limbic. This is, you know, this is a physical thing. And I just had so many reasons, the age the you know, all of it, I thought um, there's no way, you know, other people can, can heal, but not me. I would say just, just be curious. I mean, I know it's so hard because, you know, everybody in this community, I think, has been through on that journey of trying so many different things and get it, having the hope and then, you know, it, it's being disappointed again. And I'd say just just be curious and see what you're, what you're drawn to, what your heart, you know, where's that that flicker of hope and, and, and just start exploring it in a very gentle way loving, kind, compassionate way and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just hear it a lot. I've heard it from my own family. Like, Oh, I'm too old. Oh, mm. what's the point? And it's like, mm. but you're not, you're still breathing. You're not too old until you take that last breath. <laughs> yeah. Because like for you, you just said, I have a whole new life now. Yeah. Had you just resigned at 56 and thrown in the towel saying you were too old, your life would be so different. Yes. Cause it's like, it's that compound, no matter what, like there's, there's choices we make every day and there's a compounding effect, you know? And like, as time goes on, they're taking us in one direction or the other and some ziggly line in between, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean though? Like, so yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, the time is going to pass. Yeah. So, you know, um, (laughs) I mean, and and I think that that's a, that might be as a place where the community can be so helpful. Like that was re- really pulled me into, um, you know, DNRS. It really kept me going because you know even when I couldn't do the rounds, I couldn't. I really was not doing the the DNRS program, but just being in the community and being around, seeing people who were you know, healing. I mean, it just was very exciting. I was starting to, you know, engage and connect. And, and so 
I think that your podcast is a really beautiful um, addition to that community now where, uh, you know, so just being open to like, just, you know, just connect, just to start to connect with that. Um, mm-hmm. If people are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How can people, speaking of connecting, connect with you? Okay, the easiest way is just through my email, which is liz at happybrainlife.com. And then there's my website that we talked about, happybrainlife.com and Facebook and Instagram. And are Facebook and Instagram the same? They are. Happy Brain Life all around. Yay, awesome. (laughs) Any final thoughts or comments that you wanted to share before we say goodbye? Well, I just want to thank you so much, um, Chaz, for what you're creating here and for this gift of this opportunity to be here today and talk with you. And it was a great, another great retraining opportunity for me too. So yay. I, yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. And I totally get the retraining thing because it's so much easier for me to be on this side. It takes a level of vulnerability and courage to show up and be the one willing to answer the questions. So thank you for sharing your story and continuing to share your story and continue, which continues to share hope and inspiration and for being a part of that domino effect. Thank you, Jess. Another one in the books. I love testimonials. I really do. Speaking of testimonials, do you have a story that you feel called to share? Yeah, we want to hear it. We all want to hear it. So reach out to me and let's connect so we can make it happen. And if you do feel inspired to share with me what you declare for this week's challenge, message me, or you can even post your declaration on Instagram and tag me. Just remember that we are all co-creating and we make choices and we choose. We get to choose every day. All right, you guys, you know the drill. Make this week great. Mm-hmm.